1: Release prophetic words and examine scripture, which will cause your faith in Jesus Christ to grow.
0: Thanks again for joining our conversation.
1: Welcome to the Faith Works Podcast.
0: Good morning, and welcome to our podcast. In fighting the good fight of faith, it is crucial to remain focused. We're going to be talking about keeping your focus. In the fight. We're also going to give you a list of some things that the enemy tries to use to distract us and to throw us off track. First Timothy 6 and 12, you want to read that for us?
1: Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses.
0: I believe it is important to keep in mind that we are in a fight.
1: So knowing this, how dangerous is it to lose focus in a fight?
0: If you lose focus in a fight, what happens?
1: You can get your head knocked off.
0: Has that ever happened to you?
1: That's how I know about this. I used to spar with this Amazon woman who was waiting for any opportunity to take advantage of me not paying full attention so that she could slip a punch in and take me out.
0: So staying focused is of the utmost importance whenever you're in a fight. You really need to keep your guard up. You really need to see, keep your eye on your opponent. Keep your eye on the prize so that you can move forward. Philippians three fourteen says, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. So Paul is saying that there's something, to, and he equates this actually to an athletic Uh, type of event and that the goal of the event is to win a prize and so we have to stay focused.
1: We do and avoid distractions because just prior to that Paul says forgetting those things behind me in other words, I am focusing on the goal.
0: So it really doesn't matter if it was something good or if it was something bad. It doesn't matter if you've accomplished something or something you've struggled with. We have to maintain our focus and keep our eye on the prize. So Paul compares this to an athletic event. We've got to see it as one, and we've got to maintain and see that we're striving for something. But some of the tactics that the enemy uses to try and wear us down, and to get us off track uh, and rob us of our faith. That's some of the things that we want to talk about for the next little bit. And so we're going to be looking at a, a list that we've compiled, and we want to talk about those tonight. You want to share the list real quickly?
1: Sure. Criticisms, accusations, temptations, betrayal, persecution, distractions, and disappointments.
0: So what we want to do is we're going to go through each one of these kind of one at a time and look at some examples of those in both the secular world and also in the Christian world. And so I want us to see some things that we actually learned in movies. And one of them is criticism sometimes cripple people. So criticism is our first area that we want to talk about. But some people... When they hear criticism, they no longer want to even try to do something that could actually change and alter their life forever.
1: One of our favorite movies is Back to the Future, and there's a scene in it with Marty McFly, and he's meeting his dad in the past, and he's asking his dad why he doesn't write or submit his work, which I'm a writer, so I can really relate to this. And he's really afraid. He says, what if no one likes it? What if they didn't like it? I don't think I could take that kind of rejection.
0: So rejection and criticism sometimes overlap. Would you say that?
1: I think most people take criticism as rejection, and that's a whole nother talk we need to have, and we will eventually, uh, you know, because we all deal with rejection, and when we get criticized, we feel rejected, and so we close up or we stop trying.
0: Even when people use what's called, like, constructive criticism, which is really trying to help somebody, In some way, it feels as though they have just been totally rejected and it keeps people from moving forward. So we have to be very careful, even when we're trying to help somebody, the way that we talk to them in the process, that they're not perceiving it as criticism.
1: Did you mean to say criticism or rejection?
0: I think the two overlap so much that sometimes it's hard to distinguish between the two. And since, as you pointed out, people do... Uh, take criticism as rejection, many times they feel there's no distinction between them. And so even in the movie Uncle Drew, I really love this story. There was a guy that was there as the basketball coach. Uncle Drew is a bunch of NBA players that put on makeup and they look like old men in the movie. And this young man was trying to coach and win A game, or or win this contest, uh, the Rucker Tournament. And as he was doing that, when he was young, he had a bad experience on the ball court, and therefore he never wanted to try again. And so there's a lot of great lines in that movie. And one of them was, you always miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so sometimes when you're paralyzed and you're living in fear, you can actually kind of hamper yourself going forward. Even men and women of God Even pastors, we know some that are now doing nothing, believe it or not, after being criticized and taking it so harshly that they've actually just faded away from ministry.
1: Being criticized and a fear of criticism is a tactic of the enemy to neutralize you. If you don't want to be criticized, then do nothing. But if you want to do something for God, criticism will be your companion. Wow.
0: It's amazing how many people have been criticized for doing nothing or actually for doing something, and then they do nothing, and then they're criticized for doing nothing, and it's like this continual cycle. That's how you know the enemy is behind it.
1: Absolutely. So if we're going to be criticized either way, let's do something.
0: So the enemy will use this to get you to quit fighting, to wear you down, burn you out, and cause you to give up on your dream and holding on for the promise of God.
1: Right. Out of fear, you mentioned this before, of rejection, fear of man's rejection, if you really want to get down to it, being rejected by man, because we said criticism and rejection overlap. A lot of that comes from childhood wounds, and you know we don't realize it. Proverbs 29, 25, in the English Standard Version, says this, "...the fear of man lays a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is safe." Galatians 1:10 says, "For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ."
0: So the fear of man, the fear of criticism can cause you to be paralyzed. And all the good that you would do would be halted. That's why Satan likes to use this as a tool to stop you in his tracks. Now, keep in mind, this leads us to the second part that we want to talk about, and that is accusations. And so Satan is the accuser of the brethren and revelations twelve ten. do you want to read that for us
1: then i heard a loud voice saying in heaven now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our god and the power of his christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our god day and night has been cast down
0: wow so satan here is who it's talking about as the accuser of the brethren And I have preached this for years, and the accuser of the brethren we find in the book of Job, he's at work, and he's accusing us to God, then he also accuses us to those around us. And that's some powerful accusations that go before God. God knows the truth. And he knows what is right and what is wrong before it's ever done, before it's ever said. And Satan has the audacity to go in to accuse us before God. Not only that, he will also accuse you before your brethren who are around you and to other church members or other coworkers or whoever you might be working with, and he'll make accusations against you to them. But I think one of the areas that we overlook sometimes is how he also accuses us to us. And so, in other words, you know what you did, and Satan comes along to tell you over and over again, you're not worthy because of what you've done. And he continually brings up your past. There's been this is a a kind of a cliche. Whenever he brings up your past, you need to bring up his future and let him know that I may have done something wrong, I may have failed, but God will forgive me. The difference is I have a future with God, and I am presently forgiven, therefore I have peace. His future is very bleak, and he has no hope in his future.
1: And yet he still uses that tactic quite successfully, and he's used it on me. Successfully to accuse me to myself. If you're listening out there, I'm sure that he's used that on you. We have a friend who just recently accepted the call to preach. He's in his fifties, and
0: um, oh, you didn't have to say that. I
1: know his daughter just posted on Facebook a picture of him preaching and how proud she was that he'd finally surrendered to the call to preach after years of wrestling with the question: Am I good enough? Am I really called? Am I good enough to do this? I'm sure a lot of that resulted from. The accuser of the brethren, you know, accusing us, saying you're not good enough, or you remember how you did this, or you did that, or you don't measure up, or all the the numerous things and lies that he speaks to us. Even you know, just be, I'm just going to be really vulnerable and 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 real before every podcast that we do. There's a struggle I have in my mind about you know, can we do this? Are are we good enough? You know, we're not. You know, is this is this going anywhere? Are we reaching anybody? you know, and the enemy will will speak things to your mind to try to keep you from from doing anything. He's constantly accusing you, not just from your past, he accuses you in your present. He accuses you of everything you're attempting to do. He's constantly tearing it down, using tactics to get you to freeze, to just stop what you're doing. And so how many men and women of God, how many potential evangelists, how many potential missionaries or preachers or Sunday school teachers or someone that's just called to, to serve with the homeless or whatever it is that, that, that they could be doing they're not doing because of the accusations of the enemy.
0: Yeah, he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And if he can steal your hopes, steal your dreams, and then to kill your your reputation before he gets it off the ground, and had, he, he really doesn't have to do that in the eyes of other people. If he can destroy your reputation in your mind... By accusation, it can limit what you're able to do with the rest of your life and for God and in any part of your life as well. So it's a powerful tool that he has. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The Bible said that if you know the truth, the truth will make you free so we have freedom because of Christ we have freedom because we have the mind of Christ and we have the the ability to overcome in fact in revelation it talks about them overcoming him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the lamb and so what words we use when we align them with god's word are very very important and how we speak to ourselves and how we speak to others it makes all the difference in the world
1: Do you think that's what what the scripture meant in Timothy when he says, I have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses?
0: I believe that that is part of what it's talking about when it says that we have a good confession in front of many witnesses.
1: So part of what we need to focus on then is our knowledge of knowing what Christ has done for us and who we are in Christ so that when criticisms come, not if, and when accusations come, not if, because we know that they will, that we stand firm, focused on who we are in Christ and what he's done for us so that we don't get caught in the enemy's snare.
0: That's a good word right there. One of the next areas that we're going to be looking at is something that affects us all and touches everybody on the planet. And that is one of the tactics that he uses it's called temptation. Everybody gets tempted by something, believe it or not. The scripture says in James one fourteen, every man is tempted. So start with that right there. Every man, woman, child, boy, girl is tempted when he, she, or they are, are drawn away of his own lust and enticed. So temptation comes to us all.
1: Yes, it does. And one thing we like to make clear is that temptation in and of itself is not sin. Being tempted is not sin. Giving into the temptation is when it becomes sin.
0: You know, our our pastor used to say all the time, he said, I can't help it if a bird flies by my head. I don't need to let it build a nest there. And what he meant by that was a thought may come through your brain and you may be tempted. That is not sin by itself. But when you meditate on it, over and over and over again, they tell us in science, whatever you look at, whatever you concentrate on, whatever you say over and over again, actually comes to pass. If you're looking at a tree on the side of the road, a lot of times when accidents happen, they see that people hit trees or they hit telephone poles. Many times they say it's because That is what they were focused on, and that is what they were looking at whenever they got to that tree. They ran right into it because that was their focus. So we have to be careful what we look at, what we hear, what we think about over and over again, lest we become tempted in that process.
1: So what you're saying is what we focus on is the direction we'll go.
0: Yes, that's exactly right.
1: So that's a powerful tactic the enemy uses. It is to bring in temptation to us. He did that in the garden initially when he presented Eve with the fruit. That wasn't sin for Eve to be presented with the fruit. It was on Satan's part. The serpent's part it wasn't on her part until she received the fruit and ate of the fruit and she disobeyed God. The temptation itself of seeing the fruit and desiring the fruit was not the sin had she taken control of that and not given into it.
0: Right. And, and and something to know, too, not everything is equal. And when I say that, you know, the scripture says that there is nothing unclean of itself. But if you esteem it to be unclean, then it is unclean. In other words, if you esteem it to be sin, then it is sin. And so you have to be careful not to sear your own conscience and do things that you want to. But one of the things that we've talked about many times is how affairs often start. Is Somebody will say something down at the water cooler at work, and they'll say, oh, you look nice today. And that will strike a chord in somebody. And because they think about it, and they go back to their desk, and they say, oh, somebody paid attention to me. The next thing you know, they're going back to the water coolant a little bit more often than they probably did the day before because they're looking for something and they're being enticed away by their own lust at that point in time, and tempted by something that they may have heard, but what they focus on is really where they're going to be driving towards.
1: And the he knows that. He knows how powerful temptation is. So when we are being tempted, we need to confess that immediately, immediately to the Lord. Lord, this I'm being tempted in this area. He knows it. So coming to him with that and saying it, It should not be a problem for us because he already knows that we're being tempted and we can gain strength by saying, I'm being tempted in this area. Or if we have somebody that we can trust, that we know that we can go to and say, you know, the Bible says, confess your faults one to another. To go to somebody and say, you know, I just need you to lift me up in prayer. You don't even have to tell them what the temptation is. Just say, I'm being tempted in an area. Would you please give me extra prayer cover that I will remain strong?
0: One thing is for certain that we're not all tempted by the same things. And if you use food as an analogy, uh, if you ever hear of Pastor Ken running down a truckload of asparagus. and and hijacking that truck, you will know that it's a lie because I'm not tempted in that direction at all whatsoever.
1: However, if a truck full of red velvet cake goes by...
0: Well, it depends on who made the red velvet cake.
1: That's true. And I know what you're saying because I have an incredible sweet tooth myself. So I'm tempted by sweets and by sugar. But I have friends that are like, I don't even like sweet stuff. I don't like cakes or pies or cookies. And I'm like, I cannot even relate to that because those that's my temptation. I'm tempted by sweet things, whereas they're not tempted by it at all. They're tempted by salty things. So you can take that analogy and, and move it into alcohol and cigarettes or whatever area that you're tempted in may not be the same area as someone else. So while you may have victory in one area, you may not have it in another. Another area and be tempted in that area, or maybe you do have victory. You're just being tempted, and but you're being able to maintain and, and stay away from it. But certainly, we have different areas of weakness or different areas of temptations that we struggle with.
0: Well, I think one of the main things that we want to point out in this this scenario and and this this particular section is that Satan uses temptation to entice you, but then he also uses it in the former sections that we were talking about to both criticize and then accuse you over and over again. Oh, you know what you were tempted with, therefore you can't be godly. And so he's coming at you over and over again, not just being tempted by something, but then turning around and accusing you of things and making you feel like you're unworthy and unable to go on with what God has called you to do and you know as it relates to red velvet cakes i'm absolutely a fan my wife makes the best that i know of on the planet and it's really tremendous but i've actually had people tell me they just didn't care for red velvet cake so that's a temptation or or not a temptation for them but it's a, a mindset that i can't relate to whatsoever
1: like me not be able to relate to people who don't like sugar. But I wish I was one of those people. Satan obviously uses the tactic of temptation, most especially if he can entice us enough to give into the temptation because many of you probably know, if you've given into temptation, what immediately follows the giving into temptation?
0: It's guilt and condemnation Absolutely. and shame.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you are, it's an avalanche that hits us. And then we're in this vicious cycle of being just swallowed up by the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, and not feeling worthy. Adam and Eve, once they gave in to the temptation to eat of the fruit, they immediately ran from God and they hid because they were ashamed. And when God came looking for them to spend time with them, which he did every afternoon in the cool of the day, he went and walked in the garden with them and talked to them. And he came looking for them that day and they were hiding. And God asked them, where are you? And, I, and the man said, "I hid because I was ashamed.
0: I was naked and afraid.
1: Yeah, and, he's, wow. a, and shame hit him. So." The enemy knows how powerful it is if he can get us to be enticed enough that we give in to the temptation. However, let me say this. The scripture tells us that Christ made a way of escape for every temptation. There is no temptation that will come your way, that there's not a way of escape out of it. What we have to do is use the wisdom to take the way out when it's offered
0: so you 're talking about the scripture, which is located in first Corinthians ten thirteen It says, "No temptation has overtaken you except that it 's common to man." But God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it.
1: Yes, and isn't that wonderful of the Lord that he looks out for us that way and that he doesn't allow it to be too much for us, that he knows that we're going to face situations. He knows how cunning our enemy is. He knows that he's going to try to entice and present us with things, that our own flesh is going to fight against us. And yet he makes a way of escape for us So that we're not overtaken And I could just talk about so many stories Of different um, testimonies of people who've come to us People we've pastored But one in particular stands out in my mind today And that was a young woman we were pastoring And she was really struggling and she was in a place that she shouldn't have been one night and really about to do more than what she... She was already doing things she shouldn't be doing, but she was about to take a step further and do something that was going to alter her life. I didn't know this at the time, but I felt the need to call her. And so I picked up the phone and I dialed her number. And, of course, she didn't answer. She sent me right to uh, voicemail.
0: So let me get this straight. She's in a situation, in a, in a potential place... Or potentially things are about to go really bad, and you just felt like you needed to call her.
1: Right. So, quote-unquote, randomly called her, which we know there's no randomness. The Holy Spirit was guiding me. So, yes, I called her, and this is her own testimony later. She said, I knew she you know, had sent me right to, to voicemail and um, didn't pick up the phone. She said she looked down at that moment, and she was about to make a life-altering decision, and— her phone's ringing, and she sees that it 's me it 's her pastor calling her, and she knew in her spirit that she needed to answer that phone, but she chose not to and she did make a life altering decision that nearly wrecked her life, and there were a lot of consequences for that and am I saying that the phone call taking the phone call from me would have prevented that i don 't know it certainly may have
0: but there was a way of escape that was made even though she may not have taken it.
1: Absolutely. There was an interruption in what she was doing. The Holy Spirit was interrupting, getting her attention. Hey, I mean, you know, to get this phone call at that exact moment when she's in that exact situation in a place she shouldn't have been, with people she shouldn't have been with, doing, already doing things she shouldn't have been doing, and about to take another step that was going to be even worse. And then I, you know, randomly call her, Yeah, I think that was the Holy Spirit. That was the Lord saying, hey, here's your way out. Take this phone call. Don't do this.
0: So God does make a way of escape, but it's up to us to use the wisdom to see the escape route and take the way out. Amen. So the three areas that we have talked about in this podcast are criticisms accusation and temptations. I want to invite you to come back and hear the conclusion of the list that God has given us. We don't know if it'll end next week or if it'll be two weeks, but we want you to be here for those conclusions. This is something that God really put on my wife's heart. She has such a powerful ministry in the prophetic. We did not want to ignore the word of God. So today, do you have anything that you'd like to share with the audience?
1: I do. I feel like there's a a young minister who has recently faced some false accusations and it has broken your heart and you are on the verge of possibly just walking away from ministry. And I just want to encourage you not to do that. Don't walk away, but to just stand your ground and just remember that God is for you, and you are more than a conqueror, and He is your great defender. And I just want to share briefly, the Lord just reminded me of this. We went through something a few years ago where we were falsely accused of something with a, with a in our ministry, and it was very painful. And the Lord told us just to remain silent and to just back up and just let Him defend us. And um, actually, we were involved in some overseas ministry, and... Just something happened, and and it just went sideways, and our hearts were broken. And the Lord said, "Just pull away, and be silent." And we did that, and we just began to pray. And it took two and a half years later, but. The people who had believed the false reports came back to us, apologized to us, asked for our forgiveness because God had exposed everything, and you know our reputation was cleared and all that. So, note this: that God is able to defend you, and He will defend you. So you just stand your ground and just love God, and you stand in integrity and in hope and in faith because God loves you and He will defend you. And do not quit because that is a tactic of the enemy. It to bring false accusation or bring accusation period against you to get you to give up doing the work of God and I suspect that God has a big plan for you whoever you are God has great plans for you and the enemy is afraid of what God is going to do through you and how he's going to use you so he's trying to kill that right now through false accusation but you don't give in to false accusation but you remember who you are in Christ and remember he is your defender and you are more than a conqueror and you just remember that Jesus Jesus had to remain silent. Even when they were accusing him, he didn't say a word. And I just really feel like that's a, that's a hard thing, I know, sometimes. But just do that and let God defend you, and you'll see yourself be exonerated, and there will be justice.
0: I think that that was one of the toughest times that we ever had when we knew what was being said was absolutely a lie from the pit of hell, and God challenged us just, just to be quiet and allow Him to deal with that. So we want to thank you for listening today. We want to encourage you because greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. Thank you for listening to the Faith Works Podcast. If you like what you heard today, please be sure to visit us at KenAndLisaHenderson.com for books, blogs, movies, and spiritual growth. You
1: can also follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Lisa Henderson and that's Lisa L-E-S-A and at Ken Henderson. See you next week.